Mark chapter number 15, and I am looking at what the scripture had to say in verse number 22. We took our text verse there this morning. If you'll stand with me just for a moment, the book of Mark, chapter number 15, and I'm interested in verse number 22. And the Bible says, and they bring him unto to the, to the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull, the place Golgotha. And so tonight, with the help of the Lord, we'll continue with the thought, the torture of Golgotha. Father, we pray that you'd help us now. We pray for uh, Kim. We pray for Daniel. We pray for the family, Lord, in this uh, medical situation. Lord, please intervene. And Lord, we trust you and we ask you, God, to have your way. Give the doctor's wisdom all that will have a part. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Thank you very much and please be seated. Last Sunday morning, we began our time in the book of uh, Mark, chapter number 14, and we spent time in Gethsemane, and we called that message the time of Gethsemane. On Sunday night, we looked at the treason of Gallicantu. Gallicantu is a Latin word that means the, the, the cock crow. And then on Wednesday night, we looked and spent time at the trial at Gabbatha. Gabbatha was a Word used in Scripture, it was also called the place of the pavement. It was called the judgment. And then I'm interested in this word Golgotha. And today we see the torture of Golgotha. The Bible tells us that Golgotha was a place of the skull. And we just read there in verse number 22. But this morning we also saw that Golgotha was a place of shame. They wrote over the, uh, the, 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 the placard over the Lord Jesus written in three languages and called him the king of the Jews. And of course, they wanted a revision. And they wanted it to be said that uh, uh, he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, I have written what I have written. Interesting there that he, he would say that. Uh, that he, he would not back down. He had backed down everyone everything else. But interesting that he had not, did not back down on that particular element. And so Golgotha was a place of shame. But we close this morning with the thought that Golgotha was a place of scorn. And we saw the different ones that coming by, the passing crowds. And then we saw uh, the, the, the crowds that passed the chief priest. Uh, they weighed in on it. And so they attacked uh, the Lord Jesus. They blasphemed his power. They said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. They blasphemed his personhood. Said let Christ. They didn't believe he was Christ. The word Christ is the word Messiah. It's the English word for the word Messiah. If I say, uh, if I say Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ in Arabic, I would say El Rab Yeshua. Or excuse me, in Arabic it would be in Hebrew it's Yeshua. In Arabic it's Yeshua Al Messiah. Messiah. That's the word Christ, and and it's similar in in Hebrew. And so the Hebrew, the Arabic, the Aramaic, all very similar. And so, when he, so what he was saying is, let the Messiah. And so he was, he was blaspheming who he was or who he claimed to be. And then he blasphemed his position. He said, let Christ the King of Israel. Well, what they didn't realize was that they were indeed crucifying the King of Israel. They wanted more than anything to become that world power that they once were. They wanted more than anything for the kingdom of David to be restored. They wanted more than anything to be out from under Roman rule. And by the way, all of that was just around the corner. And had been offered to them over and over and over again. And they spurned it. 
and the persecuted the prophets before him, and he had offered it to them. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was there, and they didn't believe it, and they refused it because he was a threat to organized religion. You see, Judaism had fallen until such a slump, and it had become a dead ritual that they did not even know the real thing. Can I tell you there's a danger of that in our Baptist churches? We come to Sunday school. We read out of the quarterly. We give to Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon, and we do our little thing, and we have our little set things, and we do our Bible schools, and we do our little set things, and we put our little, and before, if you're not careful, it'll become a ritual and nothing more. And I'm sad to say that there's a whole lot of people uh, in this county and in, 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 in America that they don't have a clue about the reality of knowing God personally and having a, a walk, daily walk with Him. They go through the ritual. They go through the ritual, but it's just a ritual. And can I tell you that religion can turn into that? Religion is based on ritual. But I'm not talking about a religion here. I'm talking about a relationship. And that changes everything. The Bible said that they blasphemed his power. Saved others himself, he cannot save. They blasphemed his person, let Christ, which was, uh, they didn't believe that. And they blasphemed his position, the king of Israel. And they blasphemed his plan. They said, descend now from the cross. Now here's the thing. They had watched him raise the dead. They had seen him heal everybody that come in contact with him. They had ample witness for the 5,000 that were fed and then 3,000 that were fed. My friend, there had not been an outbreak of, this, of, of miracles like this since the time of Elijah and the time of Elisha. And so suddenly, miracles on every hand. I mean, all they would have had to do is consult the priest. And the priest would tell them, look, we had these fellas come and want to be cleansed of leprosy. We didn't know what to do. And said, we went back in the retired rabbis. We went all the way back and said, Grandpa, did you ever cleanse anybody? What's that procedure to cleanse somebody from leprosy? And he said, well, how did you do it? He said, I never did it. Why? Because there hadn't been anybody cleansed from leprosy. All the way back since Elijah and Elijah, there hadn't been nobody. But suddenly, it's back in place. Suddenly, lepers are being healed and made whole. Suddenly, the, blind, the, the lame walk, the blind see. Suddenly, the dead are raised. And they had, they had evidence of all of this. And they considered it a threat. And they had seen all this mighty power. And this is what they said, no, that wasn't enough. No, that wasn't enough. We want to see you now descend from the cross. Well, I want you to understand that Christ deliberately concealed a great deal of what he did. Simon Peter walked on water, not in the public view as a spectacle, but in the, in the, in, in the audience of only the 11 that were in the boat with him. It's the only ones who got to see that. 
The Mount of Transfiguration, it was only the three, James, Peter, James, and John, that got to go and see uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See the Lord Jesus transfigured his raiment become as white as snow. Not everybody got to see that. Somebody said, yeah, but if everybody would have received that, everybody would have believed it. No, you know what the Lord Jesus said in Luke 15 about the rich man and Lazarus? That, that rich man in hell said, send, send, send Lazarus to tell my brothers. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets. He said, nay, he said, if one rose from the dead, said they'd believe that. And you know what Abraham told him? Nope. No, neither would they believe if one rose from the dead. And can I tell you that they didn't believe. He rose from the dead with, with indisputable proof. And they lied about it and covered it up. They lied about it and covered it up and bribed the guards and bribed the officials to not, because, by the way, these guards, had they went to sleep at their posts, that was, that was execution. You didn't go to sleep at your post as a Roman, Roman guard. But they bribed the officials and said, tell them you went to sleep and we'll take care of it. And that is what they say to this day, that they went to sleep and when the Romans went to sleep, that uh, the disciples come and stole the body away. Look what it says in verse 32, the latter phrase. He said, descend now from the cross, looking for a dramatic display. And then they said that we may see and believe. That we may see and believe. I remember what Thomas Two Sunday nights after the resurrection, he had said, I don't believe it. They said, he's arisen. He said, I don't believe it. They said, well, he is. He's risen. He said, I don't believe it. Thomas, you're doubting. He said, except I take my hand and touch them, that place in his hand, except I take my hand and touch that place, and say, I don't believe a word of it. Lord Jesus appeared. He's there. Simon, here. Simon, here. Touch my side. Simon, Simon, here. Touch, touch my hand. And you know what Simon's response was? My Lord and my God. Good response, Simon. He had been crying for all that time. He had been weeping all that time. Good response, Simon. You know what the Lord told him? He mentioned me and you. He said, Simon, you've seen and have believed. He said, blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. That's everybody in the New Testament up to this point in time. Blessed are they. So I said, preacher, I want to see something. Why are you going to lose your blessing? If you don't believe it till you see it, you ain't, you, 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 you've lost your blessing. It's when you can believe it before you see it. That's where the blessing's at. Thomas didn't have no blessing because he, he saw it and believed, but the Lord said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And they, were, they that were crucified with him reviled him. And so we've seen the place of, of, of Golgotha. We've seen uh, the place of the skull. We've seen 
in Golgotha the place of shame. We've seen in Golgotha the place of sacrifice. But for a few minutes now, can I uh, look a little further in the passage? Look with us in verse number 33. The Bible says that when the sixth hour was come. We start time at 6 a.m. It was the ninth hour that he was crucified, 9 o'clock. He had hung on the cross for three hours in public display. But the Bible tells us about the starting of the darkness. And when the sixth hour was come, the Bible says there was darkness over the whole land. And how long did it last? The Bible says until the ninth hour. Been a lot of speculation over why that happened. But the Bible says that it got dark. Uh, darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. I don't, I've read a lot of people's thoughts on it. Some said that God had, that, 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 the, sneer, that, the, that the, the mocking and that the, the, the jeering and all the things from the crowd had gone far enough and God said, all right, that's what you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut the lights out. You can't mock what you can't see and I'm going to cut the lights out. That's what one fellow said. Another one said that it was during this three-hour period that Christ became sin for us who knew no sin. Now, we know that that started in Gethsemane. That's why he bled those, straight, uh, bled that, those drops of blood. He sweat those drops of blood. I don't, know that, I don't know that this is so, but a man said, think about becoming all, th- think about what toll it would take on the human body become a drunkard and a dope addict and, and to become a, a, a harlot and to become, think about what, what that does to the flesh. And, and you've seen them and I have, uh, young people that look like that there that they're could be grandpas and grandmas. I mean, you, young people that, that they've lived a hard life. It's obvious on their face. It's obvious for the scars on their body. They lived a hard life and they, they've, 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 they've lived rough, you can tell. And someone said that when Christ became sinful, it was so much that God said, that's it. Turn the lights out. No more spectator. Don't know. I don't know. I can tell you that I don't know. I don't understand all that I know about it, but all I know is that God God turned the lights out. Somebody said, how dark was it, preacher? Well, I believe the chickens went to roost. I believe that it got so dark that they couldn't do anything but wait. Complete, utter darkness. They couldn't care. They couldn't move ahead with what they were doing. They weren't prepared for darkness. They, it, it came to a screeching halt. And from high noon, what we believe uh, at that, that uh, the scripture says that sixth hour until that three o'clock hour, the ninth hour, it was the time of darkness over the land. But look in verse number 34. Not only was it a time of darkness over the land, and that Golgotha, a place of sacrifice, but it was also there, this, 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 this place of sacrifice was a time of darkness, but it was also torment at the desertion of our Lord. At the ninth hour, the scripture says, the very moment that Jesus cried with a loud voice, notice that it was a loud voice. It wasn't a a whisper. Most people's last words are whispers. But his was with a loud voice. 
And the Bible says that he cried with a loud voice. And the scripture says, it gives us what he said in uh, Aramaic. And this is, this is or what he said, I think, in Hebrew, actually. Because the message, he said, Eli, Eli, or Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And the scripture interprets that itself in verse 34. And if you'll turn in your Bible, it's in Psalm 22. He quoted Psalm 22, the opening verse of Psalm 22. He quoted scripture from the cross. So I said, why would he say that? Well, well, there's a message there in the Lord's cry. In other words, I, and I, I, how many times have I repeated it during this series? He became sin for us who knew no sin. A lot of people in Baptist circles try to split the Trinity. Well, can I tell you that, that that's, that's a doctrinal truth. The Trinity was, the Trinity was split. For a very short time. You see, apparently, God turned his back on the darling Son of God when he became sin for us. It was a part of the plan. The second person of the Godhead bearing the sins of humanity. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, I'm just going to, and this is not, this, I realize if I was preaching out of Matthew, it would be different. If I was preaching out of, Mark, out, of, out of Luke, it'd be different. But I think it's interesting that Mark, Christ is the servant. Do you realize that in two chapters, the only thing that's in red in your Bible, look at it and say, you got a red letter Bible? How many's got a red letter Bible? Check me on this. What, in, in chapter number, because I, I, I didn't go through and check it exactly. In chapter 15, there should be one phrase that's in red letters. What, what is it? Thou saith it, right. Thou saith it. And then we find it again, verse number 34, chapter 15. He has spoken once to, once to, the, to Pilate. And he, all he said was, thou sayest it. And now he quotes scripture. Now, we know there were seven sayings on the cross, but my, my emphasis is this. The emphasis on Christ being dumb as a sheep before his shearer. He, he, he took the place of a servant. I want you to understand the advocate of all time is on the cross. Could have easily defended himself. Could have easily confounded Pilate and all of his wisdom. He was wisdom. He was the incarnate of wisdom. And he chose to say nothing. And he chose to limit what he had to say before Pilate and now before the crowd. He, he, he says just, just two simple phrases. And so there is the torment at the desertion. Now, I've, I've, I keep referencing the message on Gethsemane. Somebody said, well, preacher, you know, the, the common common teaching in Baptist churches is that Jesus is trying to get out of the cross when he prayed, let this cup pass from me. I reject that Amen. with everything I've got. I reject that. I, 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 would, I, I reject that. I mean, I reject that with everything I got. So it was the human side of him talking. Don't believe it. The only thing that I would say, the only element of truth 
that I would say could be contained in that thought is the thought of God the Father being separated from God the Son. Now that right there, that right there has got credence. But don't you think for one moment that he was trying to get out of the cross. If anything, he didn't want to experience that separation that took place at that time. Uh, it was a place of sacrifice. It was a, the time of darkness over the land. It was the time of torment at the desertion of the Lord. And then the scripture says that he, he, he cried out and, and the meaning is given. But in verse 35, they misunderstood. And some that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias, Elijah. Because he said, Eloi, Eloi, or Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And they thought that he was crying for Elijah. You understand that the Old Testament closed with the truth that Elijah would come. As a matter of fact, when, they, when Christ was asking there in Matthew 16, he said, Who do people say that I am? What did they answer? Some said Elijah. Why? Because of his miracles. Some say Jeremiah. Why? Because there's no record of him laughing, but we got record of him crying, the weeping prophet. But it, was, it, it set the stage for that great truth. He said, but who do you say that I am? And that's when Simon Peter stepped up. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, they thought that Elias, behold, he calleth Elias. And later in the latter part of verse 36, let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. <laughs> I'm sure they're being sarcastic. I mean, did they really, were they really waiting to see if, if Elijah would come by and would take him down? Just, just for their information, they weren't on the Mount of Transfiguration, but Elijah was there. And they're thinking about some great appearance by this great prophet of old. And by the way, Simon Peter got caught up in that. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, let's make three tabernacles. It's good for us to be here. Let's start a building program. Let's just stay here on the mountain. And the Lord seemingly rebuked him. And he didn't say... <laughs> Elijah's my prophet. He didn't say Moses is my, is my servant. He said, this is my son. <laughs> this is my son. Shut that down. I guess what I want to say is Elijah had already been there and had actually discussed what was taking place. Discussed it. Discussed that they were, he was going to die on a cross they discussed it. Moses and Elijah discussed it person to person, face to face, not spirits, but face to face. There on the mountain. That's what it says. Mountain Transfiguration. So can I say it this way? John the Baptist had come in the spirit of Elijah and they chopped his head off. Greater than Elijah, greater than Solomon had come and he was hanging on a cross. And they were hoping to get to see some kind of miraculous thing with Elijah coming. The scripture says, And one ran filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave to drink. 
and said, hey, let's, let's wait and see if this happens. Yeah, let's, uh, a spectacle, if you will. Oh, how wicked mankind is. The place of sacrifice, it was a time of darkness over the land. It was a, it was a place of torment and desertion of our Lord. Uh, this, this, this place of sacrifice, uh, the verse number 37 there is the testimony at the death of the Lamb. The Bible says, And Jesus cried with a loud voice. It doesn't say what he said, but again, there's the silence in Mark. But the Bible does say that he cried with a loud voice. I want you to understand again that typically the last breath of a person before it leaves their body is a whisper. It's something very quiet. It's something you have to cup your ear to hear. It's not at all what happened. The Bible says he cried with a loud voice. He cried with a loud voice, uh, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he cried with a loud voice, uh, uh, Teleasti. And is the phrase, It is finished. And with that, the Bible says that he gave up the ghost. There's the testimony of the cry of the Savior. Every time he opened his mouth and he cried with a loud voice, things happened. Remember, he cried with a loud voice at the tomb of Lazarus, and Lazarus got up. Hallelujah. Well, I want you to understand that what we have on the cross of Calvary, in spite of everything that's taken place, in spite of uh, the scourging, in spite of the crucifixion, in spite of him becoming sin for us who knew no sin, I want you to understand he had the, still had the strength, the mind, and the power to rise up and cry with a loud voice, not once but twice. And he wasn't going to allow them to say when it was finished. The scripture says he dismissed his spirit. Man doesn't have that power, but Christ did. And so there was the cry of the Savior. But when he made that cry, something else took place. You see, there's the testimony of the cry of the Savior. It's finished. What did that mean, preacher? Well, I believe I can say without a doubt that the Old Testament priesthood's finished. Caiaphas ripped back garment. You didn't realize what you were doing, but you're right. That thing's been rent. No fixing that. I don't know how long that thing had been handed down and worn, but he ripped that garment. God said, that's fine. I'll rend the priesthood from the line of Aaron, and I'll hand it off to the line of Melchizedek. See, Aaron was just a regular priesthood, but Melchizedek was a royal priesthood. And the psalmist had talked about it a thousand years earlier after the line of Melchizedek. Hebrews confirmed it after the line of Melchizedek, who was a royal priest. Uzziah got in trouble for trying to do both things, a royal and a priest. He got in trouble for trying. He was royal, but he tried to be a priest, and God smote him with leprosy. Well, I want you to understand Christ Jesus, he wasn't born of the tribe of Judah. Excuse me. He wasn't born of the tribe of Levi. He was not born of the Levitical line, and therefore he was not a priest like the Aaronic priest. He was of the tribe of Judah. And Judah weren't priests. It was never, nowhere in the Bible was Judah the priest. But rather, that was the kingly side. That was the kingly line. 
That's where David came from, God's first appointed king. Not the tribe of Benjamin with Saul, but rather the tribe of Judah. And that's where Solomon, that's where Nathan, his brother, and that line ran down through time and it all came from the tribe of Judah. And somebody said, well, they're not qualified. Well, wait a minute. Let's back it up. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek outside the ancient city of Jerusalem and he was the king. The Bible says Melchizedek was the king of Salem. And Melchizedek paid tithes. And Christ was a higher, a royal priesthood. The Bible says that to show that to be the case, there was the cry of the Savior, cried with a loud verse, but there was also the testimony of the curtain in the sanctuary. The Bible says in verse 38, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain. And notice the last phrase of the verse. It says from the top, to the bottom. Amen. How do you get up out of the top to tear it? They tell me that it was a woven fabric. What is, I, don't, I can't know exactly how many inches I'm showing, but about eight inches. About six to eight inches. They claim that horses could not have torn it. I don't know if you've ever tried to pull a, a woven something. To, I mean, you, could, you can't tear a, a sweater? Try that. You can't tear a sweater. Well, they were, I mean, so, but there come a rip. <laughs> By the way, it was the time of the evening sacrifice, three o'clock. They'd have been there. As they'd done for 400 years of silence, they'd have been there doing their normal thing, just a ritual, just a regular thing. And suddenly in the darkness, God says, I'm done with this. And the curtain in the sanctuary was rent. The temple veil, the torn veil, divided and divinely caused. Can I say, there's no, if man had been going to tear it, he'd start at the bottom and tore it to the top. But hey, its origin came from above and therefore it started the top and ripped to the bottom. And the Bible's careful to point that out. And was rent in twain. And I like what he said, from the top, to the bottom. There's the testimony of the cry of the Savior. There's the testimony of the curtain in the sanctuary. Look in verse number 39. There's the testimony of the centurion soldier. The Bible says, and when the centurion which stood over him saw that he cried, that saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost. Now, let me see if I can help you to understand. There's a quaternion of soldiers. And that would have been a, it would have even been less than a company. It would just have been basically four guys. And the centurion would have been, uh, in, he would be the one in charge. He would have been the leader. His job was to do the bidding of Rome. Okay? His job was to do the bidding of Rome. Interesting that when this thing was brought before Rome, the Bible says that, that government and governments are, 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 are put in place for a reason. When tried and when all the, everything was weighed in the balance, you know what Pilate said? He said, I find no fault in this man. And the scripture said he washed his hands. So can I say it this way? 
from the executive branch of government, he was pronounced not guilty. But did you realize that from the military standpoint, these fellows had seen a lot of people die. Matter of fact, that was their job. That's, that's conquest. That's what they did. They killed people for a living. But he had never seen anything like this. The Bible says, and when the, tents, when the centurion which stood over against him, saw that he cried out and gave up the ghost. Nobody else that he had ever seen was able to dismiss their spirit. They would beg for death, and it would be denied. The request would be denied by the centurion, by the, by the soldiers. It would be denied them. Let me just, let's, let's fast forward, and I'll just share. The other two, it's the preparation day. It's the day before Passover. Passover begins at 6 o'clock. If they're going to get their dirty work done and not everybody be defiled, they got to get this, they got to get on with this. And so the scripture says they broke the legs of the other two malefactors. I shared this morning how they would be up and down and how they would raise up to breathe and go back down to inhale and they would raise up to exhale and drop back down to inhale. Constant movement with their, with their back uh, scourged with his back scourged up and down the cross of Calvary. When they broke their legs, they could no longer exhale and it stopped them from breathing. Therefore, they would be suspended between heaven and earth and they would suffocate in short order. The Bible says that they broke the legs of the two malefactors. They didn't break the legs of the Savior because he had dismissed his spirit. Because you see, the prophecy said that his bones would be out of joint, but the bones would not be broken. That's right. His body was broken. His heart was broken. But his bones were not broken. Understand what I'm trying to say to you. They didn't take his life. He gave it. At the to show his final power over death and soon hell in the grave, he would take control and take charge, and he would make the determination to dismiss his spirit. And he did. And when the centurion who was beside of him, the scripture goes on to tell us that uh, the synoptics tell us that they took the spear and they checked it. They put it into his side. The Bible says, forthwith came forth blood and water. There's a syndrome. And it's when the pericardial sac that surrounds the heart is full of water. When the heart ruptures and fills that full of blood. Scripture says when they jabbed him with a spear in his side. Forthwith came blood and water to assure that he was dead. And the centurion, having heard it all, having seen it all, having heard all seven sayings on the cross, having experienced everything that was done, 
I believe speaking on behalf of the Roman government, he made the statement and said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Can I tell you that every time Christianity was tried, it was always found guilty. Christianity was always found not guilty. Every time. In the Apostle Paul's life, over and over and over again, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. It had been on trial many times in Christ's life. They found no guilt. They found no guile. They found nothing. Listen, you'll find out who a man is when he's in pain out of his mind. You'll find out what a person's made out of when he's mad. You'll find out what a person's like when they're at their low ebb. I mean, you really find out who they are. In the United States Navy, the most elite of the fighting forces are called SEALs. Years ago, they were called frogmen. And that was how they started out, frogmen. And they were soldiers who could dive underwater and wear oxygen tanks and the like, and they could go in and infiltrate. And the SEAL team, still today, I mean, when something needs to be done, it's interesting. Although all the different branches have all their different specialty forces, and all of them are involved typically, but the boots on the ground are the SEALs. But there is a week to be a SEAL that they spend on a beach. And they said it's like no other week, it's like no other training on earth. I know a fella who was a Navy SEAL. They do not let you sleep for a full week. They feed you an 8,000 calorie a day diet, otherwise they'd kill you. And they still all lose weight. But you swim, you stay cold, you stay hurting. You get to where you're so numb from lack of sleep that you can't even think straight. And then there's a bell up on the beach. They say, all you got to do is ring the bell and you can go home and go back to bed. You go back to your family. You're, it, all you got to do is just tap out. All you got to do is just ring the bell and you're done. And they'll get in their face and cuss them and tell them that they're sorry and low good and they're not going to make it anyway. Just go ahead and ring the bell. Get out of here. And most of them do. But what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to see what a man is when he hasn't slept. They want to see what his instincts are. They will put them, they will put them there are people who die during SEAL training. They will put them in death actual death situations to see if they will work together, to see if they will rescue the other guy, to see if they'll run and, and save themselves or if they will run into it uh, to save others. That's what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to see a man, if I can say it this way, they're wanting to see a man at his worst. They don't want to see a man at his best. They want to see a man at his worst. And when they've stripped you of everything you have, all dignity, all decency, everything, they've stripped you of everything you got, they place you in unimaginable situations to see what you'll do. And if you perform correctly and your responses are right, you'll come out with the classification of seal.
I forgot what the ratio is to those that apply for it and those that get it. It is a small fraction of those who try ever become that, that level. Can I tell you the Lord Jesus, he went through hell on earth. He went through everything that the devil, the world, and the flesh could throw at him. With a, with a partial, someone who is partial against him. This centurion, he tries murderers. He tries malefactors. He carries it out. And he does it with good conscience because these people are a terror to society. And he goes home and sleeps well at night because he's ridden the world of riffraff. An insurrection. And he goes home that night and he tells his wife, How was work today, honey? Darling, it was like no other day. But darling, honey, you, you've, you've crucified thousands of people. Yeah, but... Never a man spake like this man. Never a man. Listen. Honey, I think I've made a big mistake. Today we crucified the very Son of God. But you know what the Lord's put on me this week? I was that centurion. That's me. I'm the one that crucified him. See, it's my sins that crucified him. I'm the one. See what I'm saying? You know why he couldn't come down like they bid him to? Because of me. Because of me. Because of me. And I feel just like that, that it was my sins that held him to that cross. And while I, while I so despise what the Romans did, what the Jews did, but can I tell you that I've got a new, a new despising for myself and for my sin, if I can say it that way? I despise it. Amen. To think that I had a hand. But I'll go one step further. You did too. You did too. No wonder we'll look forward to Sunday morning. No wonder we'll look forward to Resurrection Day where he'll rise again. Death cannot keep him in the ground. It's all part of the plan of God Hard for us to comprehend it. But it's as true as this Bible. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics, and then John weighed in and give us even more detail. I want you to understand that the cross of Calvary is the central point of salvation. It's the central point of Christianity. And without the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're no different than anyone else. But the fact that we have an empty tomb and the fact that we have a risen Savior distinguishes Christianity from everybody else. Every other religion says it's all about do. In Christianity, we say done. It's been done.
it's finished. Do you know him as Savior? Do you know him? Father, I pray that you take the word of God, your Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, help us, I pray, that during this week of passion, this passion week, help us, Lord, as we seek to know the mind of God, as we seek to understand the big plan of God. Lord, if we, as we seek to look into things that the angels wondered about and were interested in, help us, Lord, I pray, to understand that it's not about Easter eggs and, and, and bunny rabbits, but it's about a risen Savior and triumph over death, hell, and the grave. Make us truly grateful and make our hearts glad, we pray in Christ's name. Save some soul that's nearest hell. Amen. And amen.